Welcome to episode 40 of All the Small Takes. Back after yet another brief hiatus. Uh, but we have important things going on, so we hope you'll forgive us. John's getting married in T minus, what's the cat days at, John? 11, 11 days. 11 days. 11 the days. Tommy so- Reese of wedding <laughs> countdowns today. <laughs> <laughs> you should do a, a countdown where, like, you know how sometimes they'll do that and every day is a different, like, number from team's history. I don't know. Yeah. You've also, I also know you've given up social media, so. I have, but we're hitting the sweet spot here with uh, Tommy and then uh, Brady Quinn and then uh, Jalen Smith and then Brandon Wimbush. So, oh, sorry, not Brandon. Yeah, Brandon Wimbush. He's eight. Yeah, he's number eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. confirmed. We're Notre Dame fans. Don't worry. No, 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 no. He's um, number seven. He's definitely um, number seven. Okay, we'll get back to you guys on our number eight. Anyway, uh, Cooper, how are you doing? Cooper's in the process of uh, the ordering process. some top secret, some top secret. All the small takes merch. Yeah, I am. So I'm super distracted. I have no idea what John just said. Like if I took keep, pop quiz, I'd fail. Um, keep on the merch. The the hype around this wedding is real. This is going to be a big, uh, a big event for all the small takes. It is. It is. But uh, maybe, maybe let's hope Caitlin's not listening to this podcast. We'll see. <laughs> this will be a good test, actually, Caitlin. Caitlin, we definitely won't have a t-shirt cannon with all the small takes merch at the reception. We definitely won't do that. We would never. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Your wedding's going to be so much fun. Um, before we get into this week's episode, very quickly, we want to let you know you can find all the small takes on social media, on Instagram, small underscore takes, Twitter, at small takes. Facebook, all the small takes, and Gmail, all the small takes at gmail.com. Leave us a review, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review again, because we're still trying to bump those reviews up. You guys Maybe ready? subscribe uh, via RSS, RSS, sorry, RSSS. We've got like 500 of those, right? RRSS, RRSSS. R2D2. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Topical reference. Very top. Yeah, Very top. Uh, we've got we've got like way more RSS subscribers than is explainable. So the only explanation is that we are wildly famous in Canada, apparently. Apparently, Montreal specifically, right? Yeah. <laughs> apparently, yeah. That's that's the geographic location. It's, it's all the hockey we talk. It's definitely, it it's definitely how. <laughs> it's just Canadians so, who are trying to escape all the hockey. Those, those uh, that's a good point. Good point. Sorry. Sorry. We're not, we're going to not talk about hockey again this week. Uh, we're actually going to talk about college football because the next time we probably talk to you all, the uh, bowl season will be in more than full swing. It will actually likely be in the new year because, as we've said, we're headed down to the coast, to Mississippi for John's wedding. So we, we probably won't be podcasting. I uh, know. Just uh, throwing it out there again. The guy with the kid is all for podcasting on Christmas. That's such a family probably, man. probably no guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just when are we gonna get a guest appearance? Uh, maybe, maybe yeah. not to put pressure, but when he can talk, the, the fans are begging for it. <laughs> yeah, be super boring through an audio kind of media, as opposed to what our podcast usually is. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, college football. Next time we talk, the uh, the semifinals will likely have already happened, and so as Cooper astutely called out, we want to cover those on this week's episode. And so, 
if you've been listening for a while, you remember that for a period of time during the season, we were doing a segment called the Pick Six, where we would pick six games or six things for the coming week. And so we're going to bring that back one last time to send off the college football season in the right way. And we've picked six bowl games that we find interesting or have interesting names. And we're going to give our predictions and some some rational or irrational thoughts. And so we will start with the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah. Which which falls into the fun names category. It's Temple versus FIU. Yes. And uh and so we're gonna we're gonna keep very close tabs on this one, I'm sure. Start with you, John. Who do you like in this one? I have well, a bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the whole reason we're talking, the whole reason we know the Gasparilla Bowl exists, uh, is because my father went to Temple University, go Owls, uh, but also go Wildcats, um, also go Fighting Irish, and also go Hoosiers, you know, it's a, it's a complicated life here in the McMacken household. But, uh, yeah, and Bulldogs, sorry, I forgot about them. Uh, Clang, but yeah, Clang, Clang, Joe Moorhead, big fan, big Joe Moorhead fan. I don't know if we talked about that before, but. Ah, uh, classic, that's who that's could good. forget Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. This is a great analysis about this football game. <laughs> um, Better than the do. But this is what the this is what the broadcast is going to be like. Um, yeah, Florida International. Uh, they're the Golden Panthers. I'm going to take the, the Temple Owls um, because go Temple. Yeah, cherry and white. You can't beat it in uh, in December. All right, Cooper. What do you think from a uh... Impartial perspective. Yeah, so I know. Abs- Wait, no, I do know Butch Davis is the coach at FIU. I think that's pretty much all I know about these football teams. They have one common opponent in UMass. Ooh. That's based off my like forty-five seconds of research. FIU beat UMass by more than seven points, which is what Temple beat them by. So I'm picking FIU because we all know that common opponents works in college football. That's what matters. Mm. At the end wow. Of the day. So you like. The FIU, FIUs. I don't know what their mascot is. Golden Panthers. Cougars, right? Oh, Golden Panthers. Right, John. The I large cats. Large cats. <laughs> um, Temple is actually seven-point favorites. Huh, so it's it's that's shocking. How that checks out with, that's how it checks out with your theory, Cooper. Uh-huh. It's weird that Vegas is just blatantly ignoring the common opponent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because Vegas has no history of being good at this or making any money. Um, I'll take Temple and the, and maybe the points too. I don't know. Um, I thought that FIU is where Lane Kiffin coached, but that's not where he coaches. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the team, the other team, Temple. Uh, next ball, this one, we can maybe give a little more informed uh, opinion on the Citrus Bowl, and that is our Fighting Irish against the LSU Tigers. Cooper, we'll start with you. Who do you like in the Citrus Bowl? Uh, is that a New Year's Day Bowl? It is, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame is playing on New Year's Day. <laughs> it's not the New Year's Six, though. Not, not to be confused. No, the it's the New Year's Seven. The New Year's yeah, it's the seventh <laughs> one. On the seventh day, God rested and had Notre Dame play LSU. Yeah. Cooper, what do you think? I think Notre Dame's going to win this game. I think Notre Dame's a better team. But that being said... Ed Orgeron's face has been known to be a brighter colored pink uh, than Brian Kelly's, at least this season. I think that might give LSU an advantage. Will the pinkness of his face matter outside of the third week of Advent, though? Good question. Because we do switch to purple. We do. We switch back to purple and then to white. So, Do we think that his face can turn 
to purple and get so purple that it then turns white? That would be death. That's, yeah. that's a pretty good that description. Point, <laughs> at that point, LSU. You call a paramedic. I'm taking Brian, Ke Brian Kelly in the Irish. God, I hate saying that out loud, but I do think that. Yes. Uh, I'll turn it to you, John. As I have also a hunch about where you're going to lean in this one. Yeah. So I did some digging because I, I wanted to know who sponsored the bowl game. And it's sponsored by a company called Overton's. Um, which I had never heard of, and it turns out they make marine and boating gear. But while looking for Overton's, I uh, discovered that LSU has two linebackers that aren't going to be playing the game, in addition to all the other players they have injured on their defense. Um, so I'll take Notre Dame. Maybe Josh Adams. Maybe we're finally going to figure out what was wrong with Josh Adams the last month of the season. But I think if they're losing linebackers, in addition to all the D linemen they're, they're missing, uh, our offense will do pretty good. So I also have the spread for this one. It is LSU by three. That's perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that too. And I like Notre Dame in this one, as as you guys do. And the news that you just shared, which is that LSU is banged up up front, is something I was not aware of, but is certainly positive for Notre Dame. And I would, I would think and hope that Josh Adams is in a healthier place after almost a full month of uh, time off, unless the, unless the injury is far more serious than was let on. And so I'll also take the Irish. Um, this is a great rematch, too, of the uh, the storied Music City Bowl 2014. Yeah, the, the bowl game that ended the Everett Golson era, and we all thought it began the Malik Zaire era, but mm. instead birth Deshaun Kaiser. And, there wow. was a Malik Zaire era. It was just very, It just very, lasted three games. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we're going to move into the Name That Brand section of our pick six. So John plucked these two out of the lineup, and I think they're awesome. Um, the first one is the Cherubundi Tart Cherry <laughs> Boca Raton Ball, <laughs> which is Lane Kiffin's FAU team against Akron. Um, John, we'll start with you, and I want not only your pick for the game, but w the, the pick of what Cherubundi Tart sells. <laughs> what do you think that they are a dealer of? Well, okay, so... I'm I'm almost positive they're dealer in cherry products. I don't know why you'd name yourself Tart Cherry if not. But the fact that they've entitled that they've added the Tart modifier leads me to believe that they're not like wholesale cherry dealers, but um, like a, maybe like a cherry spread, not like a cherry jelly, but like a cherry preserves company, you know, that prefers tart as opposed to sugary cherries. Um, I don't know. This is this is a, a classic matchup with uh, two teams with two classic college football mascots um, that I'll see if you guys can guess later. But uh, I'll take I'll take uh, Lane Kiffin because I'm assuming his team is better because he's probably a better coach than I think Terry Bowden coaches at Akron or at least he used to. Might have retired. Okay, so you like FAU Cooper? What about you? And then uh, Cherubundi. I right now. I looked them up and already reached out. Oh to come on! Oh, Have come some on. fun with us for a possible sponsorship. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chair Bundy, if you'd like to sponsor an up-and-coming Canadian podcast. The Chair Bundy Tart Cherry, all the small takes podcast. <laughs> so you forget the you forgot the part of the beginning of the podcast where I was busy designing merch uh, for us and missed all your special instructions. And then before that, I was playing 2K while you guys were going over the podcast. So That's true. We had a riveting. I don't think there's any way Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin loses this. Lane podcast. Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. <laughs> Lane Kiffin's going to win this football game. I didn't know nothing about Akron, uh, except LeBron James is from there. So, FAU is going to win. Do you, do you know their mascot? 
The zips. The zips. Do you know what a zip is? Uh, I don't know, like a kangaroo? It's like a kangaroo, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I have some breaking news. This game is happening right now. Oh, and it is? <laughs> yeah. I just went to look up the spread, and there's, I was like, well, that's weird. There's no spread. This game started 45 minutes ago. What's the score? Uh, seven to nothing, Florida Atlantic. Ooh, got it. How much time is left? Uh, it's the oh, second quarter. Second quarter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Into this. Maybe we can we can watch this later. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and take uh, FAU. I think they've got a really strong team this year. Uh, love what Lane Kiffin's done with the program. Love Lane Kiffin on social media too. Um, even though he doesn't write it on tweets, as we found out, but. Um, Disappointing. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take FAU <laughs> as they're up seven nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next, the the next and final, name that well, brand. Well, well, hold on. What, what what does Cherry Bundy make? Uh, they make juice. Oh, juice. Mm-hmm. Cherry juice. Ooh, cherry yeah. juice for drinking. Very nice. Just throwing it out there. Uh-huh. Somehow they pack two hundred cherries in every bottle, and a oh quart gosh. of cherry juice. That's insane. And no pits. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. They also have a, uh, a protein cherry juice, which I don't know how much protein you can extract out of cherries. If you're leaving the pits in there, I'm assuming there's at least some protein. Although also there's poison, so trade-offs. I, I could really use some of this, especially for your wedding that's happening in two weeks, because apparently yeah. a workout wedding. Can we talk about that for a minute? John um, has a workout regimen the morning after his bachelor party. We're, we're waking up at what time to do power pump? It's body pump, uh, four forty-five. Well, that's the, actually that's the time that we're going to be leaving the Casa de McMacken. So probably want to get up, up before four forty. What's the point of sleeping? I have a kid. I'm getting no sleep that night. Well, All just right. sleep on we're his. We're getting sidetracked. All right, sidetracked. <laughs> we'll keep you guys updated on our performance and uh, the various strength and conditioning challenges at John's wedding. Beats of strength. Beats um, of strength. The last name that brand bowl is the DXL Frisco Bowl, which is Louisiana Tech versus SMU. I'm pretty sure this game is not happening right now, so we can give an honest prediction. Um, I'll start since I haven't started yet. DXL Frisco Bowl. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that DXL is like some sort of supplement that you can take. It's some sort of uh, exercise supplement. And I'll take... This is a total toss-up because I haven't had the chance to look at the spread. Uh, SMU. Ooh, the ponies. Why not? Yeah. Mustangs. Let's go. Uh, Cooper, what about you? So I know what DXL does. Uh, also, <sighs> I Googled it. But also because they have stores all over the place. Anyways, yeah. uh, I'm picking Louisiana Tech. They're oh, new. it's men's clothing. Yeah. Well, well it's, it's, it's not just men's clothing. It's XL men's clothing. Yeah. It's like oh, that explains why I don't know it. Yeah, it's designer extra large. That's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. So Makes I, total sense now. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Louisiana Tech too because I think Skip Holt still coaches coach there. He might have gotten fired finally, but I don't know. He gets fired a lot, and then like another Sun Belt team hires him, and then gets fired again, and then gets hired somewhere else. So. Okay, so I'm the only one on the uh, SMU side of this matchup. Pretty much. Does Larry yeah. Brown still I'm okay with that? SMU? Yeah, no. uh, I think he got no. fired. He got fired. I think no. there. You're not going to believe this, but I think there were some uh, bags being dropped. There were some <laughs> recruiting violations. Never In college basketball? No. Larry Brown? No. 
Uh, anyway, uh, let's get to the two most important games, the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl, which are the two semifinals. We'll start with Alabama versus Clemson, the rematch from last year's national title game. Um, John, who do you like in this game and why? Uh, Clemson. Alabama is not a good football team this year, as was proven by Mississippi State and uh, Auburn. And granted, Nick Saban's going to have a whole month to prepare for a single opponent, which means that his team should be pretty well prepared because he's a good football coach. But I think Clemson's players are better, and I think at this point in their careers, Davo Sweeney might be the better coach for what his team needs. So I'll take Clemson. I'll take Clemson by oh, wow. 10. Getting, getting 10, or 13, yeah, 10 or 13. Okay. Cooper, what say you? I don't know. I think this is going to be a much closer game than people think it is. I think lots of people, especially high state fans, want to write off Alabama because they're not that good. Um, it's really tough to write off Alabama considering who their coach is, how many weeks they're going to have to prepare, the fact that a lot of their linebacking core is going to get healthy. But I, I do think Clemson's going to win. I think it's going to be a tight game. I see Clemson winning by a field goal. I think Clemson is better at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, and Alabama just has shown – which I think that's like what may, has made Alabama dominant in the previous years. Um, and they've shown that they're just, they're not up to that Alabama standard, uh, especially at the offensive line, which I think is much weaker than it's been in like recent years. So I'm picking Clemson. So that defensive line is tough. Okay, good. This gives me the chance to fade both of you because I think that we are being lured into a, a trap of thinking that Alabama doesn't deserve to be here when maybe they do, maybe they don't, but. Nick Saban. Wait, with, didn't I just say all that? What? Didn't I just like repeat like every? I said everything you're saying right now. I know, but I'm gonna pick Alabama. Oh, I just feel like you're like ribbing me a little bit. No, no, no. no. I, I maybe I am, oh, okay. but uh, I think Nick Saban <laughs> with a month to prepare. Oh, I said that. That's, that's I what I said. And I just Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant is a is a quarterback who hasn't been on an enormous stage yet this year, whereas. Um, Alabama's quarterback, whose name escapes me, but was Jalen there Hurts. last year. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been on numerous big stages, including last year's national championship game. I think that experience will end up being a big difference, and I think Alabama, uh, much to my dismay, will end up winning this game. You don't think I mean, Charlotte, North Carolina, and the ACC championship game is a, you know, a big stage? I don't, I don't really think that's a big stage at all, to be perfectly Let's honest Let's just put it you. this way. Can you... Like, to me, it's so hard to name, like, an Alabama player that stood out. And I, like, can't – besides, like, Jalen Hurts hasn't stood out. The only reason I know his name is because he's the quarterback. And then Minka Fitzpatrick. But, like, how many years has there been in, like, Wait. recent years? Fitzpatrick year? is insane. He's really he good. He is insane. He's a wide receiver who's been at Alabama for, like, five years. Calvin I don't Ridley. know. Calvin Ridley. Yeah. But, like, when in recent years can you not name a defensive lineman on Alabama's team? Or offensive lineman? Just, like, at the top of your head. Like, that's never happened before. Can you name one from last year? Yeah, Cam Robinson. Which side was he on? Defense. Defense. Okay, tell me an O-lineman. I don't know, John. Yeah, so uh, I you got to go last year. Yeah, him. <laughs> like, Mika Fitzpatrick is your quintessential Alabama insanely good defender. But the problem is the rest of the guys around him aren't as good this year as they have been in years past. And, yeah. and Jalen Hurts is also, like, he's a really talented, really athletic guy, but he's not – as good a quarterback. He's he's not like I'm not saying that Brandon Wimbush is as good as him. I'm saying that they are comparable in terms of Brandon Wimbush is a very talented, very athletic guy, but he is not as good a, a quarterback as he ought to be. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing with Jalen Hurts. Calvin Ridley ought to have had a huge year, but he didn't. 
like defense is keyed in on the Alabama run the entire year. We talk year. about how Bo Scarborough basically vanished, disappeared. Yeah, yeah he, he got injured because and defense like every every single game the defense has stacked the box against him, and like that um, is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, no, Derrick Henry. Henry. Yeah, Tennessee Titans. Yeah, Tennessee. There's there's, a, there's another guy. There's another guy who's got a name that either a name that's similar or who looks similar. He's like a sophomore or something. He see he ended up ha- he ended up becoming the feature back. But like uh, Jalen Hurts couldn't turn Calvin Ridley into the weapon that he really is um, because he just couldn't connect on passes. I think that's the difference. Kelly Bryant's gonna hit make those throws, and I don't think Jalen Hurts can. Damian Harris is there. Other Damian right? Harris. That's who it was. So, to recap, you guys both like Clemson. I like Baba. Let's do the other semifinal. The Rose Bowl, Oklahoma versus Georgia. I forget who I started with last time. So, uh, John, why don't you tell us who you like this? Oh, I started with John last time. Cooper, yeah, your turn. Cooper. I like Oklahoma. I despise Baker Mayfield as a person, but I think he is a darn good college football, co- I mean, college football quarterback and possibly coach because, I mean, whatever. Um, Lincoln Riley is super young. Uh, no, Baker Mayfield's incredible. I just don't think Georgia can score enough points. Uh, to keep up with Oklahoma, and I don't care how good Georgia's defense is. Like, that Oklahoma football team is going to put up points against Georgia. And we've seen, like, we always knock this Oklahoma defense, but in big games, they really haven't been, like, terrible. I think they can do enough against Georgia. I'm actually kind of afraid this game's like a blowout and not that entertaining to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of got a similar mindset. Um, I mean, the, the, the Oklahoma offense is, like, nothing that Georgia has faced this entire year. I mean, the closest yeah. thing – Probably the Auburn offense, um, yep. and Georgia did pretty well against them when they got their second crack at Auburn, and like a, the week after Auburn had to play Alabama, uh, which is not always a fun game. And Auburn did really well, but it's all but you know teams get exhausted. But I Baker Mayfield's by far the best quarterback. He's probably better than any two quarterbacks they played this year, and their wide receivers are amazing, and their defense like it's not. It's not going to be all world. No one is. No one is going to pick them. If you had to start with a defense, no one would pick the Oklahoma defense to start with. But they'll probably do enough. I mean, Georgia's not going to be able to just run the ball all day against them. They're going to have to try and throw sometimes, and that'll probably be enough for Oklahoma to win. We're all on the same page here. Um, I want to call it two or three games, I guess, two opponents. So against TCU in two games this year, which is probably the best offense Oklahoma faced this year, I would argue. Sorry to Ohio State. Um, but they gave up 17 and 20 points yeah, and won both sure. games in dominating fashion. Yeah. And then against maybe one of the best defenses they faced all year, which is Ohio State's defense, they blew them out on the road. So I think both those things prove that, A, what we already know is that their offense is incredible, and B, their defense is better than people realize. So I like Baker and the Sooners as well. Well, yeah, I mean, plus you get into the point where this game turns ugly real quick and Georgia can't just run the ball. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't think it looks good for Georgia. So speaking of Ohio State, um, and let's do this very quickly because as we often do, we said we wanted to like, oh, yeah, we should probably talk about college football in addition to all the other things, and it's been 25 minutes of college football. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay because these are all, this is all good stuff. The Cotton Bowl, which Cooper mandated we include here. Um, as a seventh game in our pick six, the point after attempt. Uh, Ohio State versus USC. Cooper, who do you like? I'll go last. I'll go last. Same with last. Okay, all right, all right. Um, I'll go ahead. I will take USC, and that's all I'll say. I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't really have 
rationale for it. I'm just going to kind of use it to poke Cooper. John, what about you? So, like, I recently came around to liking Clay Helton as a head coach, kind of because he went for the juggler against Stanford and really crushed the, uh, their hope for winning right in front of their eyes, um, which I really enjoyed um, watching. But um, Urban Meyer is still a better head coach than him, and I, Ohio State's still a more talented team than USC was this year. I don't think Notre Dame would have beaten USC 42 to 14 or whatever it was, or beaten Ohio State 42 to 14. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Ohio State. Their defense is much better than probably anything Ohio, uh, USC's faced this year. I mean, it's probably better than our defense, and they're going to be – Sam Darnold's got to have half an eye on the draft already. Uh, so I would assume he would play not to get hurt. I mean, he's a competitor and he probably wants to win, but I don't think he cares as much about that at this point. And JT Barrett, uh, this is his last game playing football probably ever. So – Lot to lot to play for, so I'll I'll take I'll take the Buckeyes. Yeah, so I'm really torn. Uh, I don't know how to do this quickly. I think there's a lot to look at here. I think I don't know how motivated Ohio State's going to be for this win. I mean, the last game, obviously, Charles Comparables is the Fiesta Bowl, where Ohio State looked very motivated for that game uh, two years ago against Notre Dame. But I think this is different. I think Urban Myers and his staff are pushing really hard for that number one recruiting class, and most of them will be signed in the next two days. I, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, I don't really know how focused they are. But then against Urban Meyer, um, who is a better coach than Clay Helton. So, and if you take all the intangibles away, I think everything on the field kind of points to Ohio State winning this game pretty handedly. This is the best defense USC is going to play. It's the best defensive line they will have ever seen. It's the best offensive line their defense will have ever faced. And with that said, I think Ohio State just runs – does a run and heavy attack that USC can't handle. Um, they couldn't handle Notre Dame. Um, I don't see them being able to handle uh, J.K. Dobbins and J.T. Barrett uh, if Ohio State shows up. So I'm going to pick Ohio State by 10. Uh, all right, that was the pick six, so we will check back in on that in the new year. Uh, let's transition to the NFL because we haven't talked a lot of NFL this year, but it was an eventful weekend. It's been an eventful past couple weekends, actually. We've got a couple weekends of NFL to catch up on. We'll start with this most recent one and something that had Cooper pretty fired up on Sunday and, and John pretty surprised after having walked away from his television thinking that the Steelers had taken the lead and were going to win over the Patriots. Was not so. Cooper, Cooper had some very, very strong opinions about the catch rule, which it's like a, a running joke of like what is and isn't a catch in the NFL, but... Um, my opinion, and I know this will set Cooper off, is that that was called in accordance with the rule, and his anger is misguided. It should not be at the Patriots, but it should be at the league because that's the way that rule has been interpreted ever since the Des Bryant no catch in the playoffs, however many years ago, five or six years ago. So um, Cooper feels otherwise, and I'll I'll let him. Wow, lots of responsibility with the floor here. Um, no, I'm not mad at the Patriots. I mean. I'm a little frustrated that you know this seems to work out for them like every single game, even though it's really just two games in the season. I don't get how that's not a catch. I just don't understand it. And I think Jeff must think that Golden Tate caught the ball last year and that that wasn't it because that was also ridiculous. I just don't think in general the NFL knows what a catch is and what a catch isn't. The Patriots probably in all seriousness did deserve to win that game because the Steelers did everything to throw it away. I mean the Literally, play at the end of the- Everything. They threw it. They threw it away. Sorry. The play of the game is uh, 
unforgivable. What Ben Roethlisberger and Haley were doing there, I just really don't know. And then even the drive before that, where you're, their safety, whose name is escaping me, which is probably good for him, covering Rob Gronkowski, drops a wide-open interception with no one on him, then fails to cover Gronkowski on three plays that allow the Patriots to drive the length of the field. And not once did the Steelers think that, oh, maybe it's a good idea to switch swap coverage because clearly we're getting dominated by a slow tight end because our safety can't match his physicality. Um, and then they leave him on an island on a two-point conversion. Uh, the Steelers deserve to lose that game. They did not make the adjustments necessary. But that's a catch and a touchdown. It's a catch and a touchdown every other level of the sport. Uh, the fact that the NFL rules don't reflect that, uh, I think, shows an error on their part. So here's my question, because the I know the argument is that like he becomes a runner at some point, and like if you were a runner when the ball crosses the plane, the it doesn't matter what happens after he crosses the plane. Yeah. But how do you define that? Like if you're the if you're the league, like what, so what would you do? And John, please jump in too. Like what? How do you define a catch then? Because I, I think there's like there's some merit to like you have to finish the catch through the ground and you have to maintain control through hitting the ground and, and the contact that causes. No, I, th- I think it catches when you have the ball in your hands and when you're in bounce. That's it. So if you're up in the air and you it comes into your hands and then you lose it, it wasn't a catch. And if so, you're coming if you're going across the plane of the goal line with it, I mean in every other in every other facet of the sport. The only thing that matters is that the ball is in your hands and that you're across the goal line. That's it. I mean, that's that's all. That's all that matters. I think. I mean, I think they can keep the rule as is because I think the rule, as it states, uh, makes sense that he has to survive initial contact to the ground. It's the way that the rule is interpreted, which makes sense because Jesse James survived initial contact to the ground. He still clearly had possession of the ball, like in play, and then he reached over. Playing in the at that point, touchdown. But but I think the difference in that case was that he was not pushed to the ground by contact. He fell to the ground. It's okay. still it's still contact with the ground. Yeah, it's still initial contact with the ground, and that's not in the rules. At that point in time, had he been tagged by any like had someone just brushed their finger across his back, he would have been down. And that happened earlier. I don't know if it was that. No, it was uh, it was that that ha- the same thing happened last night. Where the running back had his knee on the ground, and then he got brushed by another uh, another player, and he was down. And I went back and they reviewed the whole thing. And it, it's it's bizarre that they can't enforce their own rules properly. It's bizarre that they've made such a controversy about what a catch actually is. Like this, this did not matter the for the entire history of the NFL until five years ago when they decided to make it matter for some reason that is totally unbeknownst to, to me. I mean, the the game was going great. They had you, you've had legendary passers and legendary wide receivers. Jerry Rice never had this problem his entire career. And all of a sudden, it's become a problem now. And I honestly don't understand why. And it's got to be connected with, like, some existentialist or subjectivist turn in the world where, like, objective truth doesn't matter anymore. And it's like... God, here we are. No, I'm, I'm sorry, but this has got to be symptomatic of something greater in the culture because it doesn't... Yeah, it's called high-definition television and replay. But here's the deal. No. Here's the deal. Even then... This should not be reviewed in New York. I mean, this is just how I feel about it. Because what happens, like, on the field, live, honestly, I think the eye test works better. If it looks like a catch, I almost always agree that it is a catch. 
there's some merit to that. That replay and the like. So a person in the booth in New York, if it's that close, should not like be over to overturn it. Like I just like don't get that. I get that maybe you can do that with other plays, but I honestly think they should consider removing that from this whole catch rule situation. Do you know what's going to happen? Is they're going to try to clarify it, and they're going to make it only more muddy and unclear because that's what the NFL does. They're going to add three more words to it that don't add any meaning, and it's just it's this is what we do now. Nothing (laughs) can be simplified. Everything has to be complicated. Also, the phrase like surviving the ground is a hilarious. Yeah, like in college, it's. What is in college? That's a good question. Do you know? In college, in college, it doesn't matter. He's down. Yeah, true. That play doesn't. His knee is down. They would have gotten the ball for one yard punt. Yeah, you could do that in the NFL. You could do the ground can't cause a fumble in the NFL. Hey, we could all play by the same rules. Get out of here with that crazy. Next, they're going to change it so that if you drop a pass in the end zone, it's then. An interception, the other team gets the ball to twenty yard line. Touchback. Or you could just yeah. make every just make every ball a live ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's like playground football. But it's like you, you dropped it, it's not incomplete, it's a fumble. Everything is a fumble from now on. Yeah. Um that would totally mesh with player safety. Well, because yeah, that's basically what they did with the the Raiders Cowboys game. Yeah. Because that rule also makes a lot of sense. I think the NFL that NFL got a lot of heat this weekend. Deservedly so, because that's also a stupid football rule. I mean, like, makes sense. It's not, like, necessarily controversial in how you judge it, but it's dumb. If you fumble the ball out of the end zone and you lose possession, but if you fumble – it's the only time you can fumble the ball and the other team doesn't gain possession and yet they, like, get the ball. That makes no sense. That's a weird one. But I don't know what you do otherwise. What do you do? You give it back to them, like – No, why not give them the ball back where he lost possession? So, like, you can't advance the ball. But, like, for example, where Derek Carr started to lose the ball at the one-and-a-half-yard line, why not give them possession there? Yeah. High-definition television should be easy. I'm okay with the fumbling the ball out of the back of the end zone. But we don't need to open more fronts of confusion. Like, this is enough. (laughs) Like, well, if it goes out the end zone at a 45-degree angle, I mean, if you pushed it out of the end zone, it's not okay. But if it just rolled out of the end zone, that's actually a thing. That is a thing. Yeah, You're right. It is going um, forward. You can't do it anymore. So I think the conclusion here is we still don't know what a catch is, and the Patriots are going to be the no, I, no, 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 no. That's not the conclusion. The conclusion. I know what a catch is. That was what a catch is. We know what catches are. It's whether or not the NFL wants to honor an objective okay. interpretation of what a catch is. Just like does Bryant's catch. That was a catch. Golden Tate's catch yes. last year was not a catch. Like, we just know these things, and the NFL somehow, like, is just ignoring them. Yet another reason to not like the NFL. Mm-hmm. Easier and easier. Uh, all right. Speaking of leagues that we do and don't like, uh, the NBA. We, we all, I think, unanimously like the NBA. And so we have the Christmas Day slate of games coming up. It's getting to the point of the year where we can – very soon focus almost exclusively on the NBA. Um, and so, because it's almost Christmas and because NBA is heating up a little bit, we're going to do a Christmas-themed NBA segment called Naughty or Nice, subtitle, Punching Heretics. At Shout out St. Nicholas. Um, I don't, I'm not even going to... John, do you care to explain? <laughs> I don't really uh, know how to... Um, St. Nicholas is famous for punching Arian. Um, 
uh, in the face uh, for the it, it, Arianism was an early Christian uh, heresy um, that was uh, stamped well refuted at the Council of Nicaea and uh, Saint Nicholas felt so incensed about Arian's heresy that he uh, he actually just just punched him in the face uh, so give him the good old one too yeah Saint Nick the 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 uh, the heretic puncher. Uh, so anyway, NBA, we're going to do the segment called Naughty or Nice, Punching Heretics. We're going to do three uh, things, and are they naughty or nice, NBA-related. We will start with the Ball family pulling their kids out of high school, the two kids who are still, I guess, technically, uh, LiAngelo was a freshman college, but pulling him out of UCLA and then pulling LaMelo out of high school to go play in Lithuania. Is that correct? I believe so. Do I have the right Eastern European yeah. country? Yeah. Is that naughty or nice, Cooper? Hmm. Nice. I don't know. I mean, I actually don't. I don't think it's that bad because I think there was a really good chance that Lamelo probably wasn't even gonna play high school basketball this year because of the controversy last year that Lavar had with the coach. And then also they were like, there. I know they were considering homeschooling Lamelo and just training him full time. And the kid's going to play professional basketball, barring something super serious. I don't know about LiAngelo, but is going to be a stud or has the chance to be a really good basketball player in the NBA. I don't hate it that much because I do think his times in Lithuania might be more formational uh, than being homeschooled in a Southern California mansion. Okay, so Cooper thinks it's nice. John, what do you think about uh, the ball kids defecting to Lithuania? Okay, well, they haven't renounced their citizenship yet, Jeff. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that thanks, be. Um, thanks for lawyering me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I tend to agree with Cooper um, for two reasons. One is that this is a kind of a guerrilla attempt at subverting the one-and-done rule, or at least what a lot of people view the purpose of the one-and-done rule, which is to make sure that kids get at least a year of college education. And our ball is clearly saying, that doesn't matter to me, and I'm going to – make sure my kids are playing meaningful basketball uh, for two years, but also because I think it makes more sense for what they're going to do. I mean, he, he has two very talented kids um, who are going to spend time learning how to be professional basketball players. They're going to see what it's like to be in the European leagues and what a lot of players go through to try and make it to the NBA. Um, and they're probably going to get better at basketball and they're not going to spend a bunch of time taking fake classes at UNC or well, they were all going to go to UCLA. Uh, I think it probably still applies. Yeah. I mean, but you know, they're not going to, they're going to be doing, they're going to be living real life and they're going to be dealing with real life problems. And that's, it's going to be better for them. And I don't, I don't get why everyone has to go to college for a year. I mean, people in the general population, not everyone has to get, has to, or needs to, or ought to go to college. And I don't get why this is different for basketball players. It just, it doesn't make sense. You guys almost convinced me, but I think so. I think for LiAngelo, obviously UCLA was not going to work out for him. But for Lamelo, I I feel for him a little bit because he's 16. He's become this prop for his family and has this weight of enormous expectations on his shoulders, and is all of a sudden now in a country where he knows nothing and is expected to. He's going to be treated like, or he's going to be put under a microscope as much of a microscope as you can be put under in Lithuania. I just don't think that's fair. I think high school, another two years of high school. Is that different than his life back here? Yeah, because here he's a, still technically a student and he's still like, 
Tennessee. It's not like everyone doesn't go to like the like Tino Hills basketball games that they don't get shown on ESPN. But but the, there the to watch one person out of high school is is attracting unnecessary attention and it's putting a 16 year old in a situation where I don't think you a don't think at all removing handle. What? Is I'm not gonna pay attention to those games in Lithuania. But you know, maybe, maybe not. Sure but he's gonna watch the basketball games when he was playing Chino Hills here. What's I just difference? think it's it's an undue amount of stress and uh, change to put in a 16 year old kid's life. I I think it's a little bit naughty. Yeah, I I think there's something to be said for letting your kids grow up like kids. Yes. Um, and not treating them like adults too early. But he was never going to have that opportunity, ever. I mean, yeah, I, that, yeah there's, there's that too. That Lithuania is going to be a very different microscope from I, from his high school. For one thing, he's actually going to figure out how good he is at basketball. The European leagues aren't as good as the NBA, but they're a lot better than high school. And he's going to be playing against some people that might at least make it there. Little side note, is that Lithuanian recorder going on in the background? Yeah, are you playing a Lithuanian national well, It might be. Yeah, Lithuanian National Anthem, perhaps my heart would go on. Who knows? It really could be anything. I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's happening in Cincinnati. That's what it sounds like to me. No, I think. No. Coast. I don't know. It gets uh, a little. All right. This is funny down here at night. Taking way too long already. <laughs> I yeah. love the soundtrack, though. Um, we'll do two more Naughty or Nices real quick. Uh, Joel Embiid as a troll. Joel Embiid was trolling the Thunder. Uh, in that three overtime game last weekend, uh, trolling Carmelo, trolling Russ, trolling the whole NBA, it seems, in every game that he finds himself in. Are we naughty or nice on Joel as an NBA troll? John. Nice. Oh, I'm uh, just skipping John. I don't care what John has to say because I know he's going to say nice. But I actually think it's nice. Uh, and that's why I don't have to agree with John first. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's nice, especially when you compare it to like everything that goes on in other sports. I think. The way MB goes about it, uh, doesn't come across as I don't know derogatory. I think he's just all in good fun, uh, which I think is one reason why the NBA is so likable, uh, especially when you compare it to what's going on in the NFL. I was going to point out Juju Smith-Schuster in my wasted it, but I got something else in mind. Who should probably be suspended for the rest of the season for what he did in this end zone celebration. But like that, that's naughty. What Joel Embiid is doing is nice. Yeah, I I I agree with Cooper because. So I wouldn't call it trolling um, because I think trolling has a very negative connotation to it. And it, um, I think it, you're doing things for no reason. And I think Amit is doing it for a very particular reason, which is the entertainment value of basketball. I think also the way he does it, you don't, um, you kind of, you kind of believe afterwards that everyone was in on the joke that like the guys he's playing against might actually think it's funny too. And it's not just some, weirdo internet hack trying to tick people off or upset people and beat is and beat is like you know waving at people as they walk off the court when they're fouling out and is saying like saying to guys you can't guard me as they're guarding him and then block their <laughs> block, like block his shot back at him I mean, it's like it's it's funny to watch and i think i don't think anyone in the nba has complained about it yet i think everyone seems to be enjoying it and i think that's the biggest barometer is yeah, and on how good something is, are the people that are on the receiving end having fun with it too? And so far, they are. And I think that makes that's part of what makes Joel Embiid such a gift to basketball. Yeah, uh, we're going to be in agreement here. I think it's nice as well. I think even Russ, like Russell Westbrook, is the person who I would 
like who is going to take most offense to anything that happens in the NBA. And he was like only mildly miffed at the whole uh, waving Steven Adams off the court. Um, and even like he and Joel had like a, it seemed to be a pretty good natured back and forth after the game ended of like Russ was waving goodbye back to him. I think it like, it makes the games fun. It, it shows personality and it shows it's what we've talked about, why the M- NBA is seemingly in a far better place than the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, last one is watching basketball on Christmas. We were talking about this earlier before we started. Um, has that become the equivalent to like Thanksgiving football and that it's just going to be like on and it's assumed that that's going to be a part of the Christmas day experience. John, I'll take it to you because you have a, you're shaking your head already. Yeah. I mean, for starters, Thanksgiving is a secular holiday. Um, so that's, I think that's <laughs> part of the reason why we turn football on because we're just all in a half state the whole day. Um, but no, I mean, I think we actively avoid watching the NBA on Christmas in my family. Not that, you know, not that anyone is blackballing or anything, but we don't talk about the games. Um, I mean, I might watch Golden State and the Cavs because I'm assuming that's on at like nine o'clock at night, three o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah. oh wow, okay. probably not three o'clock in the afternoon. Why on earth? Nine o'clock, you get like the Spurs and the Blazers or something. Yeah, you're getting some really game. I don't, I don't. Okay, okay. So the scheduling was terrible on that then. Terrible. Um, but I'm not gonna watch that. I'm not gonna watch any of those games. Uh, Cooper, what about you? Yeah, I think. Uh, in some degrees, I do agree with John. Um, I think people's priorities on Christmas are a little shifted. Everyone's concerned about the things they have to make or the presents they have to give or the presents they have to receive. Um, but really, their priorities should be on basketball um, <laughs> because that's what's on all day on Christmas for me. I will watch every single game and pay attention to all the different uniforms and all the different shoes. And uh, be super absorbed, and I think that's how Christmas should be. They haven't released the uniforms yet. As a side yeah, note, this is really late. Like, that's rare. It's making yeah. me nervous. Mm-hmm. The Sixers played in their 2016 Christmas uniforms the other day. I noticed that in the yeah. in the in the uh, Thunder game. The Thunder game, yeah. Just uh, trust Nike. The jerseys won't tear in half. Trust the process, Cooper. Trust the process. I think I, I think this is nice too. It's become. At least in my family, like it'll always it'll be on in the background throughout the day, and it's just like a nice little like subtle drone in the background to know that there's NBA games on all day and like kind of like, like the recorder mentioned. music. Kind of like the recorder yeah. music. I was gonna say that <laughs> you stole my thunder. I've been muting and unmuting myself, and at this point, I'm just kind of giving up. No, let it let it be. Mm-hmm. Actually, is that the song they're playing? Let it be. <laughs> no, no, still, um, still, my heart will go on. I think it's a little oh, different. It is a long song. It is a recorder. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, This has gone on. Speaking of long, I think this podcast is going to end up being really long, but that's okay because we're probably not going to be back with you guys. They're trying to play us off. Um, So let's do the waste of data to finish it up. Uh, Cooper, you already alluded to, you can give maybe both of your wastes of data. Yeah, so more detailed. My first one was Juju Smith-Schuster. I think his celebration end zone, which mocked his hit on Perfect, which was an illegal hit, gave him a concussion. Uh, he's still out for the Bengals. The Bengals have lost every single game since playing the Steelers because Fontes is their best player. Not that that's the only reason why. But I just saw this as being completely inappropriate, uh, not funny at all. The fact that the Steelers are still thinking about the Bengals when playing the Patriots uh, kind of shows 
I think how immature that wide receiver group is for the Steelers. I would like to see Juju's. I penalized pretty hard for this. I don't think he's going to be, but I think the penalty should be pretty stiff um, because it's unacceptable. Uh, especially when his teammate is like in the stadium in a wheelchair because of an injury on a hit that happened. Yeah. Uh, still blows my mind. Secondly, is MLS. MLS today announced that Nashville will be one of the two expansion cities for 2020, I guess. There's some ideas out there that maybe they'll try and bump up a team to 2019 because Miami and Beckham can't get organized. Okay, I'm trying to speed it up, reporter player. I really am. So <laughs> well, I, I, You might not be able to tell. Get off but there's the also a singer. There's also a singer now. It sounds a lot like a second recorder, but it's it's a singer. So, Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, and then there's another announcement today that the MLS isn't going to announce the second team until after the new year. John, what is going on? I don't I know. I just got It's a theory. I think I just got to stop there. I got to stop there. No, I'm disappointed that MLS for choosing Nashville uh, for not choosing one of the two teams. Uh, Sacramento and Cincinnati that were clearly built on fan support from grassroots organization. Why talk? Okay, um, so my waste of data uh, <laughs> is that um, the NFL, no one, no Vikings quarterback made the, the Pro Bowl roster, and at least one of them should have because uh, they had a pretty good season, especially the guy who they took from the Rams and they've re- repurposed. Sam Bradford. <laughs> No, no, not Sam Bradford. They, they, took, him from, they took him from the Eagles. I'm, I'm talking about their current starter. Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, the guy from Houston. This is falling to pieces, much yeah. like that. Much recorder. like the the state of Mississippi right now. And, so. and that recorder tune. <laughs> All right, my waste of data is everyone who thinks the sky is falling because the Yankees signed John Carlos Stanton. Let's calm down. The guy has not played uh, a full season in back-to-back years in his career let's just let's just hold our horses on the uh here we go the yankees are the yankees again this is like the early 2000s they buy everyone they're gonna dominate the league let's just hold on i think i think i think stanton still has to prove to me that he can stay healthy for more than a full season there's a lot of that on twitter and uh on baseball circles this weekend and i think it's a little bit premature yeah Carlos and that's our Santana. show for the week. Oh, sorry. No, nope. maybe that's not. John, just wanted to say Carlos Santana. That was it. Just wanted to okay. say Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just assumed there were no baseball thoughts because there never are. No, yeah. That is our show for the week. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of All the Small Takes featuring John Siblings on musical accompaniment. Uh, we'll probably be back in the new year. Like we've said, we're going we're gonna to pack up and ship down to the coast of Mississippi for John's wedding, which promises to be a wild rowdy and awesome time we'll uh we'll live tweet we will instagram story i don't think we will i don't think we've ever even instagram uh storied but we'll uh we'll uh we'll have a good time we'll report back to you guys in 2018 and until then dope